Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies and their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. And welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, on today's show, we will be reviewing the latest Ryan Reynolds Netflix film, The Atom Project, which finds Ryan Reynolds as a fighter pilot who goes back in time to team up with his 12-year-old self, on a mission to save the future, and here to give this podcast maximum effort is the co-host of the guy at the movie podcast and my inner child, Mr. Sean Phillips. Sean, thanks for coming back on the show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me as Catherine Keener's twin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the twin that didn't quite get enough oxygen, I think. I don't know... <laughs> What happened? We will get to all that, of course, uh, with this. But yeah, uh, not not a not a bright spot for me in that film. Um, but we will talk about the Adam Project today, the number one film on Netflix, of course, because what what's the competition right now? Really, I think uh, in the top ten, the only other film listed was Shrek. So I think Netflix needs to uh, get back on the, the film game, potentially. Um, but this movie, they wanted to clear out for because they marketed the crap out of this. I went to the screening and in a movie theater for this with a live Q&A where Jennifer Garner's there, Ryan Reynolds is there, Walker Scoble's there. Like, it was a nice little fun time at the movies for when I saw this. Um, but, of course, it did come out on Friday and the reviews have been uh, mostly kind, including maybe Sean's. We'll get to him in a minute. But I did notice, I don't know what this fully means, but it did go down a little bit from the early reviews on Friday to now. We're talking Monday night. It did kind of, it peaked at like 7.2 on IMDb and is now kind of hovering around a 6.9 last I looked. Letterbox is at like a 3.1. Rotten Tomatoes, you know, kind of hanging in there with an 80 audience score, but maybe not so kind from from critics exactly, where it's a 55 meta score and a uh, 69 tomato meter last I looked, unless that went down any further. So it's kind of a mixed bag. It's Any kind of Ryan Reynolds movie is going to kind of land in that audiences enjoy this a little bit more because he's kind of been doing this kind of popcorn fair ever since... 
you know, Deadpool especially came along, but even before then. So, Sean, before we get into the movie itself, what's your feelings on Ryan Reynolds? Because we were kind of talking off air that he's kind of in this interesting part of his career where I think he kind of like went through like two other tiers before he got here. You know, he had that Van Wilder era where it's like Van Wilder waiting, still doing like kind of like romantic comedies, period. Then like around 09, I think, you know, he started to get into this kind of IP that doesn't quite work era with Green Lantern <laughs> and, and X-Men or Origins Wolverine. And ever since Deadpool, it's just a very different era we're in. So what do you think of him kind of overall and then what the, kind of this era that he's in right now? Well, he's always been just uh, someone from the very beginning that's had the most beautiful yet also the most punchable face. Um, you, <laughs> yeah, you sort of see him, and like I'm, I'm just looking. I'm looking at the IMDb, and I'm looking at the the uh, picture he chose probably, and it's just it's great to think about like the picture he chose is a beautiful and punchable face. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. He started with those comedies, and so he wasn't really taken seriously. But he did play like pretty much awful characters when it came to Van Wilder or the person in Waiting, where it's like, hey, Waiting's a really he's a funny character. Go back to waiting now it's not okay <laughs> no stuff he does. no like, not at all it's really bad and it's like oh he redeems himself at the end still bad um yep. and then uh he wanted to it's something funny you call it the failed ip era it's almost it's you can call it the failed ip era. you can also call it the um uh i want to be taken seriously era where mm. he doesn't smile at all in a green lantern movie yeah which like that makes it very silly because green lantern is stupid so smile a bit. <laughs> yeah like you're making like you know you're making a car out of your imagination have your like you know it's just a shame that he couldn't have the the third tier ryan reynolds during the green lantern time where That's it's fair. just like he could look at the camera and be like well this is all stupid <laughs> <laughs> very true <laughs> that might that might be a little bit uh easier to uh stomach and then, yeah, I think he finally managed to, like, you know, sort of mix those two where, you know, in Deadpool and in these where these other movies like The Adam Project, where he just sort of is able to and free guy. He's able to look at the camera and like not actually at times or sometimes is, yeah. but just sort of does the wink. And is just like, you know, this is stupid or I'm going to do my quips during this, yeah. which is what's popular now. He's not in well, ex with the exception of Deadpool. He's not in the main Marvel movies. Right. And so. But those are what's popular is like you're fighting someone to the death, but also like say something funny while you're doing it. And then that's OK. <laughs> like you can balance those two things. And that's, you know, kind of what's uh, great about uh, what he sort of found is that balance. Um, it's interesting with the Adam Project. I think that's what is found here. What I what I was worried about when I saw the trailer here, I was like, has he worked with a kid? Now, not mm. to say that like any any harm would come to the child, but <laughs> I was sort of worried of like, does he have that sort of chemistry or energy? And I think he, I think it actually works, like, yeah, for, surprisingly. And it's because he is still a big kid for most of this movie, and he, they happen to luck out big time with mm -hmm. with uh, Walker School because not only is he a quality kid actor for being his first feature film but also they happen to find a kid who memorized deadpool when he was like 11 <laughs> years old and they were like how do we even find this kid where he knows how to basically ape ryan reynolds so it's That's not awesome. just how good are you you're also playing a very particular person and and i think he did a, a very good job of it we'll obviously uh, get into that a little further soon but i think you're right like ryan reynolds because he is a dad, I think also gets mm -hmm. some of that big dad energy kind of going, as well as kind of knowing how to work 
uh, with you know still some of that youthful youthful exuberance. And I think that comes across also for Jennifer Garner in this mm-hmm. movie too, who, you know, she's been playing a mom for a long time now, which is wild to me because I feel like she just doesn't age ever. Like she just locked into an age and then just never aged from that point on. But I think because she's, you could tell she's an excellent mom. Like she just has to be because she has all the beats of like, she's done this before. She's doing it actively. Like she knows all the rhythms of the scorned mom, the uh, reluctantly loving a child mom, even though you're at your wits end and also knows how to give that like mom hug and do everything. Like it came easy to her and you can really tell. And I think it helps the film quite a bit. Just before we get into a little deeper, the cast is what, you know, we're talking about to this point. And I think that's, basically the big selling point to this movie. Um, Ryan Reynolds playing Adam Reed here, the the jet fighter pilot uh, that comes from the future here. You know, obviously he's no stranger to Netflix either, coming off of Red Notice and doing Six Underground prior to that. Um, and Jennifer Garner just came off yesterday on Netflix too, so she's no stranger to Netflix either. She plays Ellie Reed. Uh, Mark Ruffalo uh, plays Lewis Reed. Everyone, of course, knows him as the Hulk, but I, I love in the uh, marketing for this that they actually made mention of how great You Can Count on Me is, and I'm like, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, wait, in this movie, they make mention of that? Or? No, in the marketing. Oh, no. like, so, like, they did, like, all these interviews, like, panel stuff and, like, little Netflix film things online, and like, they were doing quotes, and they were like, that's from You Can Count on Me. That's one of my favorite movies, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That, like, Jennifer it's Garner such was, a like, good movie. Yeah. It truly like, is. Oh my god! I'm like Mark Ruffalo in that. That was like his first robbery of an Oscar because I don't think he was nominated, and it was just oh man, he yeah. deserved it. That was one of those stupid like it's too early for you, kid, things, mm-hmm. and then you don't Absolutely. ever get that chance again, or you get it for something much lower tier. <laughs> the kids are all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when again, you're like the guy from Zodiac Spotlight, and you can count on me, and you gave it for this. Okay, cool enough. Um, like I mentioned, Walker Scoville plays young Adam Reed here, the 12-year-old version. This is his first feature film. Zoe Saldana plays Laura, the love interest. Uh, she, of course, from Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, and Avatar. Catherine Keener plays Maya Sorian. <laughs> I only laugh because we're already, you know, I'm just, I'm just ready for that yeah, conversation. I'm so ready there. for it. Um, she, of course, when I think, when I close my eyes and think of Catherine Keener, I do not think futuristic you know overlord uh i think you know weird lady from an indie movie like 40 year old version uh virgin yeah. or death to smoochie or like you know you're forgot about smoochie <laughs> your your friends and neighbors i don't know if you're uh into neil abute at all but uh i don't know that one no <laughs> oh go back and watch neil abute you want to talk about how like waiting is not, not very kind oh my god the the epitome of not very kind is the early neil abute movies this movie is also directed by sean levy who is a person we'll probably talk about a lot in this review uh because he of course worked with ryan reynolds last with free guy and it was just most recently announced that he is going to be doing deadpool 3 with ryan reynolds as well so if you don't like Free Guy or Adam Project, but you do like Deadpool, 
you might be kind of shaking in your boots a little bit when it comes also, to Also, you're a little bit weird. I mean, like, let's face it. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I didn't like Free Guy or like, the Adam Project, but I loved Deadpool. Like, what, dude? <laughs> well, it is very specific. I understand yeah. maybe you could be like, I liked Ryan Reynolds in those movies, yeah. but then also maybe don't love the movies. So, <laughs> and I'm not saying that because it's me and I'm being defensive. So, <laughs> but what do you think about Sean Levy as a director? Because he's a, kind of an odd duck. Like, he, he mostly gets, like, the love for being the Stranger Things producer and kind of showrunner-ish person. But then he's also, he makes these movies that, it's interesting that Ryan Reynolds and him kind of brought up Amblin a lot. Because I feel like they're trying to find am- modern Amblin, and I don't know if they're really pulling it off like because sean levy's got like real steel and night at the night at the museum movies and free guy and now this movie and it's like i feel like they're just he just loves to like like create these emotional punches and trying to get to the heart of something and feeling like a like a family quality movie is what he's searching for but then it's i don't know he his movies get really muddled at times and I don't know if I like him as a director yet. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm looking through his filmography now and uh, I just breezed past Jet 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 Jackson the movie. Um oh, so I already know that we're in uh, good. You know, I mean, I look at this stuff and uh he's had uh, quite a lot of experience and I'd say that uh, the hits have been better recently. Um you know, I think Free Guy is one I enjoyed. It's quite a divisive movie. Right. Um, And it's because it's a nutty movie and like it's really difficult to wrap your head around. Not from a like, you know, high, high minded conceptual point. It's like you got to open yourself up to it or you're just going to hate this stupid crap. And, you know, if you hate this stupid crap right on, like that's like what you can do Um, with the Adam Project. I definitely like that one less. Um, It's just because I think that one was trying to be this Amblin thing, this Stranger Things Spielbergian 80s sort of, uh, you know, sci-fi kids movie. And I think those elements are fine. I mean, I gave this I gave this a, a fine rating because I did have a good time for the most part and just didn't like some of the storytelling points. So I still enjoyed myself. Right. But it was it, it was tr- it was definitely trying to be way cooler than it was. It was definitely trying for some of those aspects, which it's funny. You mentioned the Amblin entertainment thing. I didn't realize that I, I do see the opening scene of E.T. and a lot of like the shots that are there. So oh, he's totally. going for something that like I, I would rather, you know, you, you try not to do and you try to go for your own style, much like you did with Free Guy. And, you know, people hated you for it, but. You know, it's it's the other way around sometimes with that. But yeah, other than that, there's just a weird filmography. This is where I leave you, which is a terrible like kind of romantic comedy, family comedy <laughs> thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like you said, Real Steel, Date Night. I won't go through everything, obviously. The Pink Panther, Cheaper by the Dozen, Just Married, uh, Big Fat Liar. I mean, it is a very like I mean, there's some nostalgia beats in there from me, but uh, sure, it's a very strange like filmography that's sort of all over the place, much like, you know, something like Free Guy. Yeah, exactly. And and of course this movie uh is is a weird script to it and for good reason because it's a movie that was around for like a decade like the script was at least in, in its initial stages it was uh originally attached that Tom Cruise was going to play the the Adam Reed character 
Um, which, you know, if they were trying to get to the, the kind of the heartstrings of some of the stuff that was in here, modern Tom Cruise doing that, I, I don't see it, which is probably why it Horrible. never materialized. Um, but then Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy were kind of looking for a project like this to kind of mold in that ambulance shape that we were saying. And this is what obviously the production uh, happened with that. Um, you have Jonathan Tropper who wrote Kodachrome. If you ever seen that Netflix movie, I can actually recommend that. That one's pretty good with Ed Harris um, and Jason Sudeikis and oh, um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen uh, was also in that. Um, T.S. Nolan uh, from the Maze Runner trilogy is accredited right around here. Jennifer Flackett and Mark Levin, uh, who are both writers on Big Mouth um, and also wrote Wimbledon, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. So they kind of, if you mix those things together, it all kind of fits this movie, um, or at least what it is now. So I wonder if they were the actual end stage writers yeah. on top of whatever. They came Reynolds in from the Big Levin. Mouth Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, like if you're going to write for Ryan Reynolds and a little kid version of Ryan Reynolds, a big mouth is kind of a, a perfect kind of entryway if you think about it. So I, I'm I'm not hating on that uh, too much. So let's get to actually kind of reviewing this thing because I, I watched this twice. I watched it, like I mentioned, in the movie theater. So I would think, you know, optimal conditions, optimal viewing there and then watch it at home and while I, I think maybe I forgave certain things on the smaller screen, when it was blown up and had some real things, I immediately was Googling what is the budget of this movie because <laughs> at times I'm, like, impressed by the CGI and at sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, God, what are we doing here? So I don't know if that's an execution thing or a money thing. Could be a little bit of both. Um, so that's something we'll we'll get to in a minute, but... I figure let's let's just kind of do broad strokes here, Sean. You you uh kind of said you maybe have a a fine, a mighty fine uh yeah. you know opinion of this movie. So where do you kind of land? What worked for you? What maybe didn't work for you? Well, I think what really worked for me was uh, the Ryan Reynolds casting. Um, like you said, this was going to be a Tom Cruise uh, situation, and uh, well, I'll say it: the Ryan Reynolds and Walter Scoble, or well, Walter Scoble, that sounds like some Walker Scoble relationship. <laughs> um, the two of them, like their chemistry, was uh, completely on point. Um, yeah. uh, Walker was given like these very difficult Ryan Reynolds type of lines, and didn't deliver them like Ryan Reynolds. He delivered them like a kid, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like authentically like a kid. Like I would just like if I was like, you know, some like, like a, you know, 10, 11 year old, I would try to like kind of deliver them like Ryan Reynolds. I would try to imitate him if I was an actor. Yeah. But no, he just delivered them like a kid. And it just felt way more natural. And so the two of them, it felt like they were two separate people until they really had to be, you know, kind of like working together. But also Ryan Reynolds like I can't imagine anyone else in a role where he is being a, you know, larger adult to a kid because he has that sort of kid quality. Right. Um, I, you know, I was watching this during the day on Friday um, and uh, my wife was working in uh, her office and she just heard like, you're watching the Adam project because uh, she could just hear the uh, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds voice. And so yeah. there's that distinct voice. There's that cadence. And so 
the two of them were there to the point where I didn't care about the rest of this movie. Now, that could be a good or a bad thing, probably sure. more of a bad thing. But like, you know, when they were explaining like the science stuff and everything, I just kind of enjoyed watching them like, you know, fly up to the ship or sure. I enjoyed watching them like hide out with uh, Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Um. So like, you know, in terms of what worked that like those two are definitely without a doubt, them being the central characters are without a doubt what worked the best. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. You know, when I... When I think of the positives of this movie, it really is that relationship because the humor and chemistry between them are very good. A lot of the the very earnest and heartfelt moments in this also work extremely well. We were talking off, off air, too. Like, one of my favorite scenes is the older Adam with his mom at the bar, mm-hmm. you know, kind of having this, you know, <laughs> getting caught off guard that his mother's in there, but also staying with it and kind of, like, being in that... I'm not hitting on you. I'm going to just give you like <laughs> life advice stuff and, and having it pull off like very authentically. Um, I appreciated that. Of course, you know, there's other scenes in this movie. I don't want to get too spoilery up top, so I, I'm I'm not going to get too far. But there are many almost kind of like, you know, par- parent and child moments that will that definitely try to tug at the heartstrings a lot of times that I think do work most of the time. I think the more grounded fight sequences work in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think when they take it too far, that's when it gets to like <laughs> these muddled CGI messes that just Oof. don't uh, work. But, you know, especially when Zoe Saldana first enters the fray, that kind of fight sequence in the in the forest, I think, um, was probably maybe some of the better stuff in that period. Uh, so that kind of stuff works. Uh, like I mentioned, I think Garner is a great mom. And she is terrific and just heartwarming, so I could watch her all day, too. Um, and also, you get a 13 going on 30 reunion between her and Ruffalo having kind of like small scenes together, oh. too. You know, kind of, you know, almost like an updated IP feeling on that one, too. So I think those all kind of work as well. Um, besides, obviously, the fact that I'm going to yell in your ear about Catherine Keener and her deep fake, <laughs> um, what else maybe didn't work for you in this movie? Well, it's funny because uh, you uh, mentioned uh, the like the really tender moments, um, especially the one at the bar. And I think the bar scene, you're right, does work very well. But there's, you know, when there's several of the other parenting scenes there, I felt like Cameron Diaz trying to cry in the holiday where uh, <laughs> and to this point where it's like, I think these are good. They're laying out the puzzle pieces for me sure. to put them together. But I'm they're just not hitting me emotionally. And right. maybe there was just a, a little bit of work that needed to be done uh, through those four writers that just needed to, like, really, like, help me, like, put it together because it's there and it's good and it's, like, pretty solid. But right. I it just didn't really totally convince me. And I just felt that the supporting characters, you know, my, my strength was the, ma- the two main characters. The supporting characters were given hardly anything. I mean, Zoe Saldana, like, just, like, is is in and out in a quick couple of seconds. Yeah. I mean, um, then several others are, um, like, the, the parents are, like, floating in and out throughout, but they're barely in it to the point where, like, I think when they're asking for those relationships and those big moments, I don't really, like, get something that truly pays off. Yeah, and <laughs> here it comes, Sean. Sorry. Um, one of the other things that doesn't work with side characters, which unfortunately is just very important, Catherine Keener and Mark Ruffalo are a big piece of the puzzle here that we get no 
real true backstory. We get like drips and drabs of like, you stole my idea, like just kind of madness. Such a bad villain. It, she is the most miscast character I've seen in a long time. Like it is wild. Like, okay, cool. She has a deep gravelly voice. I understand. That doesn't make her a villain. That doesn't make her any of that. And then to duplicate her poorly on top of it, it's awful. And that one scene where she's talking to herself, like kind of interacts with her regular self. I literally like yelled out loud in the movie theater, like, whoa, whoa, what the hell? Because it was bad. Like it didn't even like the sink wasn't even there on the, on the, like this deep fake bad CGI that they did. I'm like, I'm trying to remember who exactly to be mad at because the first time I remember being mad at this was Rogue One with Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia because they did it multiple times and it was also bad. But my God, like, am I supposed to be mad at Marvel because they did it with Downey Jr. in, uh, I believe that was Iron Man 2 or 3, one of them. They've done Uh, it with several young characters now. They did it with Michael Douglas as well in an early Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So I I don't know where it started. I know uh, I'm also leaving out the Irishman a little bit because they didn't exactly do that. They just did a de-aging. So it's not the same same. But my God, was this not the best example of how you could do it? Here's what's even worse about it is that you're all of those examples you did were people that were either like too old or dead. Yeah. Like this is Catherine Keener in I know granted like she's supposed to be slightly younger, like maybe like yeah. 20 years or something like that. But like you know, I don't know, like you know, do her hair up or something like yeah. she she's fine. Yeah. She still looks pretty damn young. Yeah. <laughs> like you can sort of pull it off. Yeah. And I, I will say that her like, you know, the gravelly voice she has, that that voice, I love that voice. So that is yeah. the exact opposite of a villain's voice. That's a that's a beautiful heavenly voice. And th- that's not the one that belongs to a villain. Yeah. That's like a like it for me. Like come on, man. I guess. Yeah, either way, I think it just doesn't work. And man, did they not give her anything to do either because one of the things and <laughs> it's I know what movie gets to me when I go searching out like other movies the directors made or other movies that like somebody, whoever's bothering me, basically I'm like, I'm looking for answers and clues to be like, do you do this a lot? And so I hadn't seen free guy until this weekend. And I watched that as well as watching Adam project twice. And I think Sean Levy has a problem. I say that only because, you know, the director is ultimately responsible. Obviously other people wrote these scripts, but What I didn't like about Free Guy was also kind of what bothered me about The Atom Project, where it's like, so the first act of both movies is the movie. It's what you want to remember about the movie. It's like Ryan Reynolds as his most playful and fun, a kid in a candy shop kind of thing going on. And then somewhere towards the middle, it goes, wait, what's the plot of this movie again? Like, even the description, right, of this movie. The the plot says that they're on a mission to save the future. What's wrong with the future? Because we didn't go to 2050 for more than a few seconds in the air, above the earth. What did she do? I don't even know. She got rich? Like, okay, that's not saving the future. That's just righting a wrong for your dad. Like, I, I don't get exactly how we're saving the future. So... All of those things felt completely unearned. 
and to make it like so dramatic that we're killing people at some points in this movie to like cover up stuff for what what are we doing just i know it's it's always money fine but like it, it's just way less interesting than the ryan reynolds like the the family dynamic stuff any of that stuff works infinitely better and the same thing with Free Guy. Who gives a shit that your IP was stolen? That's not what this movie should be about. You're making it about Ryan Reynolds. You know? Like, it doesn't... I don't care. Why is everything leading up to two people who we didn't pair up the entire movie? So, it's. I felt the same way in terms of a robbery uh, of plot from Free Guy in this one. where And it loses it in the exact same spot. And takes a... It veers off. And it doesn't know what works in its own movie. Do you, do you buy that at all? I feel you on that one. I actually really feel you on Free Guy with that, <laughs> um, where it is like, oh, yeah, no, Ron Reynolds is no longer the main character. It's Jodie Comer and uh, whoever that dude is. Yeah, Jody from Stranger Com- Things. Uh, yeah. um, Keys God, was his it? name uh, in the movie, but I forget his real name. Oh, it's going to bother me. I'll look it up later. Um, yeah. But uh, – but yeah, sort of Ryan Reynolds is then just the tool being used. But then it like, you know, after the second act goes through third act, he becomes the main character again. So yeah. that is like quite a jump. I, I never even realized that. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I will say that for uh, they do say something in the Adam Project where it's like um, where uh, the kid says, uh, is uh, the future really bad? Is 2050 really bad? And he says, like, you know, you ever say Terminator 2? Like, you know, times a billion. Like yeah. That so they know it's really bad and they want it to stop being that bad right i just don't think why they really stop it? it from <laughs> I, I don't well why can't we see it because they spent all the money on keener and keener yeah but, <laughs> but why Get those t-shirts they... made up like a sitcom Get i want keener it keener and keener and associates and then it's a law <laughs> oh, firm. there you go law firm there you go even better yeah <laughs> our lips won't move when we're supposed to talk and uh <laughs> Uh, I, um, yeah, so I guess, oh yeah, why can't we see it? Probably because of the like, you know, very harsh uh, effects, but I always wonder, you know, I'm, this is where we get into the time travel talk and this is where we just get stupid because there's yeah. no point in even trying to do this, but I still have to say it out loud. Does that actually change anything? Does that actually change the future? They're told not to tell him anything. Right. They're told not to do any business deals with things in the future, but they do them, but they tell him nothing bad happens or does something bad happen? Will it actually be bad in 2050? Will it not be bad in 2050? Yeah. It turns out that he meets Zoe anyway. So then will something bad happen because Zoe's there? Is this a pretzel where everyone dies again anyway? I. That's <laughs> yeah. where it's like, yeah. I don't exactly know where it all goes, but uh, that's where I stop to, that's where I like say to myself, okay, yeah, no, I'm not doing this with time travel. And yeah. You just have to make it as simple as possible, which I think they made it too simple, which. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Even though there are multiple explanations within the movie to try to help you guide you through it too. And it's still like, yeah, okay. I, at that point when they're doing a lot of those, it's still at that point where I'm like, oh, I really like this movie because the execution of that, you know, kind of human stuff, the the bonding with him and the kid, you know, that chemistry, all that stuff is still at its high point when they're yeah. explaining most of it. And then once they go uh, back in time a little bit further, that's when it starts to get like, man, what are you talking about? Because um, there's a there's a scene in this movie. There's an exchange where. uh <laughs> it's Catherine Keener and Mark Ruffalo and 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 <laughs> Keener says you just never understood the bigger picture 
And Ruffalo says, and you never understood the science. And that exchange was when it crystallized for me what makes the movie not work, where I was just like, well, the audience doesn't understand the big picture either, really, or doesn't care because uh, they weren't really kind of shown how bad it is. And then also, because we have no previous like flashback scenes with Ruffalo and Keener to see what their relationship is like, we also don't feel the statement of, you know, oh, does she never trust the science? I don't know. I never saw her when she was younger, except in this creepy form that we see her in 2018. So I, I, I think that's part of the reason why this movie doesn't work uh, for me ultimately. But I will be kinder in my review because I think there are a lot of great things in here that do work for me to where those reviews that we were kind of talking about, I think they land right in that sweet spot that a lot of people are saying where, you know, it's a classic Netflix B minus C plus movie because (laughs) you are scratching your head too much for, to give it like high praise, even though there are high praise worthy things within the movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll feel you on that. Like, it, it, I maybe this needed some more Lucius Fox boardroom scenes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe we would lose the kids on that. And, yeah. you know, when you have a kid's movie, it's not an excuse to make it full of plot holes and bad. But also when it's a kid's movie, you are, you don't, it's or a family film where this yeah. is like literally for kids, but also for parents that want the kids to shut up for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, that sounds cynical to be like, you know, this doesn't have to be good. Right. Well, not that. It doesn't have to be plausible. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be legitimate. It has to be funny, engaging, and wonderful. Now, there are kids and family movies that do that, and they're also masterpieces. High Pixar. But sure. like, we like you, we don't have to have them all be that. Now, they should be good. They should be decent. And this one is just that, I think, is pretty decent. Yeah. And, it's again, we keep going back to the Amblin thing. It's like, well, mm-hmm. did you rewatch those? Because, like, <laughs> all of Spielberg's early work is, like, I'm a product of divorce. <laughs> like, it just screams, oh, yeah. I'm a product of divorce. Especially, like, E.T. Go back and watch that or Close Encounters. They're all about, like, <laughs> his life is in, interacting in divorce. And the one big difference between those older movies and now, and I don't want to sound like, you know, old man screaming at a cloud, but, like, they take their time. They mm-hmm. really do. Like, and these movies always feel like they're trying to rush to the next thing or rush to the next punchline when, man, just watch E.T., like, there's moments that like everybody remembers the Reese's pieces into the closet kind of stuff, you know, dressing ET as a little girl or a stuffed animal kind of stuff. Those things are what make these movies like last these images. These are the kinds of things. And these, this particular movie I think is a little devoid of those, even though I find that initial relationship very heartwarming. The, the problem we have now is um, that this is a world where, like, you go to Netflix and you turn this on and you see that this is 140. But if you yeah. saw that this was two and a half hours, you'd go to something else. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't know the runtime of E.T., but I'd assume, like, it's like two something, I bet. Oh, um, I'm willing to bet it's actually even less. I'm willing yeah. to bet it's like oh, yeah, 145, it 150. I, oh, it is 145, right on. So, it, but it just sort of takes its time with like those kind of scenes. But, uh, um, but uh, with um, 
with those value with uh, like the the time jumps and everything, this is my old man yells at cloud. I think that people <laughs> don't have the attention span for like long movies. I mean, you know, I just think about the like other movies that are two and a half hours long and three hours long that are happening right now with uh, the uh, best picture Oscar nominees. Yeah, and people are like, I am not watching that, and uh, like it's just like I was just like, but just watch Drive My Car, you'll love it. Yeah, you'll love a Japanese film that's talking about like readapting Uncle Vanya. It's a <laughs> Uh (laughs) yeah so everybody's everybody dive in but i um i think that that might be something where you can see that runtime right away where normally it's just like people would just like plop in a video or plop in even a dvd and like all of a sudden it would just be like oh we're watching a movie and we didn't know how long it was right and so all of a sudden we just keep on watching that movie keep on watching that movie until it was done so that's something I think about when I think about like the like the streaming age and, you know, even yeah, it's really just the streaming age and stuff like that is you sort of avoid the ones that go longer. So um, when it comes to like a movie taking its time, I work like I want that because that makes it a better movie. Right. But, like that worries like, you know, the, the manufacturers are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This you got to cut this scene, this scene. And then you got to cut that Reese's Pieces scene. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> And then that, you know, that's the worry that, yeah, that's a little, uh, little back in my day situation, but still. <laughs> yeah. I, and I get it. Maybe they, maybe they don't care as much because we are older and we're not exactly the demo they're going mm-hmm. for, even though we show up to the party because of the rest of the cast outside of the 12 year old. So, yeah. you know, give me the fun with that. And, and they do at times and at times, especially the landing, I feel like is the most egregious of this kind of stuff. And it feels a lot of, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to say it's your catchphrase, but I feel like a lot of times when you don't like a movie or you say the word like unearned a lot and I buy it, I buy it. And I kind of started doing it myself. And because it's true because you, it's one of those where I don't without like trying to give everybody every detail of a movie. It's just like, well, they didn't get there for me. You know, it, it, it's it's a nice, simple word, and I enjoy it um, for that fact it's because – It's <laughs> one of my nightmares is, like, do I use a word or a phrase too often? Now I know that unearned, I'm going to have that <laughs> in the back of my head. No, but I appreciate it, though. Yeah, it's gotten no. into my lexicon. Every reviewer I like, I know, like, that's your word. <laughs> and, and some podcasters, even podcasts I know, like, they – say like the same phrase enough to where like their fans will be like you know uh they made t-shirts of like their what they say and it's like to me it's like good that means you're with yeah. me that means you know it's in love it's all love sean Very i'm true. just oh, telling, I, yeah. I i wouldn't yeah. think it any other way yeah yes. <laughs> so but I, I i appreciate you coming on and doing this because you know i did read your review on math teacher movies for everybody who wants to go on instagram and check out sean's review and I was almost waiting. I was hoping you were going to say it in a way because that's how I felt about the yeah. ending of this movie where I was like, they took away kind of the best part of it. You know, part of it is because they sidelined the kid. Yeah. They gave him basically a, the video game version of the violence while doing actual violence. So, you know, and even when they try to give him like a, a moment where it's like a call to action, it's not the greatest or it doesn't fully work or they use it for comedic effect but don't actually give him anything to do. So ah, it's tough. It's not, like this movie, I'm trying to be gentle about it because of the age level and the style yeah. of movie, because I will say as a person who was born in the eighties uh, that, you know, 
watching like Flight of the Navigator or something <laughs> like that. It's like, yeah, this movie's not good but like you get that like nostalgia factor and this like kid wish fulfillment thing that you're like man this is this is cool um but you know so if i'm eight to 12 years old i might watch this movie and go this was my favorite thing i saw all year same thing with free guy because if you don't think too hard the movie just seems fun and and with a lot of bangs and whistles and everything else and everything that you want that will be the very interesting situation because uh, the kids loved Free Guy. Um, yeah. I'm assuming the kids will love The Adam Project just because it's on Netflix and, you know, it's got yeah. Ryan Reynolds like doing cool action stuff. It's going to be interesting when the kids go to the next Sean Levy, uh, Ryan Reynolds movie of Deadpool 3, <laughs> uh-huh. which I was worried that they'd be scarred or anything like that. But apparently yeah. uh, Walker <laughs> had it memorized at 11. So apparently little kids go to see Deadpool, Deadpool 2 and Deadpool 3. So 100%. I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I, I always try, as I'm a parent of two young kids, I try to be precious about that all the time. And part of it's just following the beat of my own kids where it's like, what are they ready for? You know, I, I must have said on this podcast a million times, like my daughter, if there's like a, a villain in like a Muppet cartoon <laughs> or like a thing, she's like, oh, I don't want to do this. But then, you know, <laughs> but when I was her age, uh, she's seven now. I already had watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So the, the, the Band-Aid was ripped off because I had all these older people around me all the time. An yeah. older brother, an older best friend, you know, all this stuff. And the people in my neighborhood, I was like the young tag-along kid. And I saw way too much, way too fast. And Deadpool is probably that for a lot of these other people. You know, and my son, who's incredibly sweet, um, he goes back and forth between like, He'll get scared a little bit, and then, like, one New Year's, he came up and saw us watching uh, Die Hard and saw, like, guys just getting blown away, and he was, like, entranced and wasn't scared at all. He was just loving it. So I was like, I don't know you, man. I don't know what's happening right here, but he's five, so it's a little early to see. He's all over the place, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) so he's a little early on any of that, but he'll get corrupted by his old man soon enough. Uh, this movie it just is gonna go on the pile of another like kind of family friendly movie that works yeah. for an audience that doesn't care what you and I think and is just going yeah. to try to enjoy it on a Friday night and then move on to the next whatever version of this comes up and Netflix this year is full of them like think yeah. like uh, Jamie Fox has a vampires movie that seems like it's gonna be less horror and more family fun. You know, it, there's like a bunch of these. Queen Latifah has a sci-fi movie coming out that looks like it's going to be, you know, more lighter on that fare too. There's a bunch. Like if you saw that Netflix sizzle reel, Jason Momoa is in a fantasy film, you know, with a, a little girl going through like dream states and stuff. Yeah, this is where Netflix lives right now. As long as it's not the Jason Momoa movie where he turned out to like be the little girl, yeah. the little girl town. <laughs> yeah. Not a. I'll spoil that movie. He, I don't. Yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Sweet girl. Ugh. Sweet yeah. girl. Yeah. yeah. I've never been more mad at a twist in my life. <laughs> it's through so my bad. <laughs> it's so bad. We said the same thing on the review here. So you're you're with you're in safe company. But my God, oh, man. Yeah. That is not what you come for. That is not what you're here for. And I'm in here an age for Momoa. Where, yeah. And in an age where we have like all these like women kicking ass assassin movies, like. You don't need to do this. Like, you could just have her kicking ass after Momoa dies. Anyway, it didn't make sense at the time. It doesn't make sense now. Um, But as we're trying to make sense of this one, let's bottom line it for the people. What is kind of the grade that you would give this? 
So I just give, uh, you know, uh, five solid letters. It's my math teacher's theme from Math Teacher Movies on Instagram, <laughs> um, A, B, C, D, F. And uh, this one was a B for me. Um, I uh, I thought it was a solid movie. C is like kind of like I really just don't care about it. Mm. D is where I, I don't like it, but there's some redeeming qualities. F is no redeeming qualities whatsoever. B is good good movie and uh, i think this is good and a is impeccable so you know right. i'm i'm not obviously at an a but you know i'm not really at an i don't care with this one i i did like this enough to give it a b yeah i'm probably you know because i i don't have any rules this is a <laughs> ruleless lawless land that we live on on the nomcast and i would probably say uh, like i said up top i'm probably in that b minus c plus camp where if i was uh on your grading scale would i be kinder because it made me you know kind of have fun at the movies a little bit and give it that kinder B instead of the, the C that makes people kind of stay away. Yeah. I probably would have done the same thing as you just because I think it's worth watching. I just wish they kind of, if for the movie that they wanted this to be, I wish they actually would have watched how those older movies actually do what they wanted to set out with those early Spielberg movies or even stuff like, yeah. Spielberg produced, obviously, Amblin, stuff like Goonies or things like that, these kind of kid action-adventure kind of stuff, and just really sell it, you know, really really hone in on what those characters were and not sideline them at the wrong time. Because like you said, if this movie's aimed towards that th the age of the kid versus the age of me and you, like uh, the Ryan Reynolds yeah. age or even a little bit younger, like people who grew up in the comic book era, then the kid has to be more prominent. And actually kind of matter instead of just being like, thanks for getting us here. We'll see you later. Put on this headset. You know, like it, it just doesn't it doesn't work for me a lot. And I think that's where it kind of suffers. But if I pause the movie at the halfway point, I would be like, wow, this is great. This is awesome. And then and then it kind of goes off the rails from there. So, like I said, I'm in that kind of B minus C plus camp. But if you haven't watched it and you listen to this review and. I don't I, I don't know who you are, but that's uh it's interesting that you listen to this whole thing without watching it. But if that is the case, uh I definitely recommend people watch it. You know, it is yeah. worth watching. Same way with Free Guy, like, you know, I watched it. It was appealing to me, but it also made me scratch my head and kind of go, where did this all go wrong at some point? So I am that guy, Sean, who you're like, I don't know who this crazy person is who uh, <laughs> likes Deadpool, but kind of didn't like the, the shtick of free guy and Adam Fair, project. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, you know, varying degrees. And so that's why the Sean Levy effect is kind of leaving me a little colder. And I think he got a lot of mileage from the he was the helping create Stranger Things guy for oh, a yeah. long time. I think he has a little bit to prove to me. And I'm I'm scared because if I want that Ryan Reynolds coolness that and that personality and that humor that I do enjoy uh, to move forward, I just get scared at their budding ro you know romance that they seem to have going on that was very apparent when uh, the panel discussion was going on after the movie. <laughs> so that's the movie. That's the review. Do you want to stick around and just uh, like? Five minutes on the Oscars for a minute, kind think, of the the chase. We should we're right we're right near there, so we better yeah yeah. All right, so obviously it was a busy weekend over the weekend. Normally I kind of do this stuff myself because I don't drag my guests through it, but you actually care about yeah. these type of things. You're invested <laughs> in these things, and so we saw the Baftas come through, 
and we saw the Critics' Choice come through. And a lot of the races seem to have been shored up, so I'm kind of less interested in the ones that kind of are cemented. But it's wild to me, and we were kind of talking about it off-air, that the power of the dog was this juggernaut for so long, then it gets knocked back a peg because of Coda's success in the SAGs, and, and now we're kind of seeing this shift where it's like, eh, it's vulnerable, it's not going to win. And like all these people like going, well, I, I hear from everybody. They just don't want to vote for Power of the Dog. And then it wins at BAFTA for Best Film and also Best Film at Critics' Choice. Where do you see the state of Best Picture in your head when it comes to Power of the Dog and Coder, kind of this one-two? I mean, like, obviously, I would consider, like, you know, personally, I think uh, I, I sort of want uh, Coda, and I think that Power of the Dog is a better movie. Um, but sometimes I get this weird argument in my head where Best Picture shouldn't uh, belong to the best movie, which I know, I know, but it <laughs> should be belong to the movie that's, like, the most encompassing towards an entire audience. And okay. I think the problem with Power of the Dog, and especially that's why that we have these ballots that they vote on, um, yeah, and, preferential uh, you know, ballot, yeah. the preferential ballots. Yeah, I forgot the word. <laughs> and uh, pretty much like there's going to be people that put power of the dog at number one a lot of the time. Some people put power of the dog, maybe two or three and all that. There'll be people that put power of the dog at like nine or ten because they think like, uh, I don't know. I didn't understand it. It was boring or just something like that. I, I don't get it, but people thought that. Um, but yeah. anyway, I I think that that's like one of the theories that says that, well, if a bunch of people are doing that, then that's going to lower its chances. While something like Coda not a lot of people are putting Coda at nine or 10 because everyone yeah. saw Coda and everyone cried. And so yeah. like everyone's going to be putting Coda towards the top. So with a preferential ballot, that's how that could work. Other things to think about. We've got the SAG Ensemble. SAG Ensemble does not often predict best picture. It's not no. a huge predictor of best picture. And Power of the Dog wasn't even nominated. Power of the Dog losing its momentum is coming from the fact that Power of the Dog has been the front runner forever. And I mean, yeah. forever, like maybe Belfast a little bit way back. Way but then back, once yeah. the nominations came in, Power of the Dog was the front runner, front runner, front runner, front runner. So it loses steam because it's been called a front runner for so long. Yeah. Now, this could mean that it just comes in quickly and just grabs the uh, absolutely grabs the top prize. Code is just so unlikely because it only has those three nominations, one of them not being best editing. I got to yeah. be honest, if Coda had a fourth nomination for best editing, literally all literally, if that's all it had. Yeah, I think this would almost be an open shut case and Coda would like it would be almost obvious that Coda would be there because the, the amount of goodwill like that Coda has whenever it wins an award, everyone is so excited. Everyone is so like everyone, uh, you know, instead of applauding, they do uh, the deaf uh, sign language for applause. Yeah. Um, when Troy Kotzer gets on stage, everyone absolutely loves this guy. Um, this is something where like there, something else is happening where when uh, they keep on going on the red carpet, when they win awards, all of that stuff, it's starting to become like a campaign that's a little bit different. And credit to Apple TV, because I, I was making fun of them last year for doing a terrible job campaigning with all their stuff. Yeah, they finally knew how to campaign for a best picture. But you can't really ignore the fact that Power of the Dog, which. I don't see it getting any other up. Oh, wait, excuse me, except for best director um, and yeah. possibly best adapted screenplay. Any other above the line Oscars. Now, that means that the race, I think, is Power of the Dog or Coda. But B Belfast, like, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the movie that went to theaters 
that yeah. movie went to theaters. So, yeah. you know, this could be a green book instead of Roma or, uh, or any sort of situation like that. Yeah. Like man, get that one in, but whew, that's my very long exhaustive. Like that's been my head right now where I don't know what's going to win best picture, but I still think if I'm, if you were going to be uh, betting a mortgage, uh, bet it on power of the dog, but yeah, there could be some surprises. And speaking of surprises, I think even though, yes, I, I he's a genuinely great human being and I enjoy all his speeches and he's so impressive in a lot of ways. Troy Kotzer overtaking Cody Smith McPhee is just blowing my mind. Like only in the sense of I liked him in the movie. There, there are those moments we kind of talked about with the Adam Project a little bit, like those heartwarming moments that you take away from. And I think in Coda, like that on the truck scene, a lot of people talk mm-hmm. is like kind of a, a pivotal point in the movie that is really his scene, his reel. And the thing that blew my mind was Critic's Choice, where I yeah. thought Critic's Choice was like, okay, well, Cody Smith won't lose here. But, you know, everything else, he kind of has to reassert himself in the race. And Troy Kotzer swept the whole thing. Yeah. And I just went, wow. Like, because... Anyone who pays attention to uh, the critics' awards that come from all these bodies, whether it's newspapers or just like, you know, L.A. film critics, New York film critics, all these people, everybody voted for Cody Smith-McPhee. Everyone. It was like this huge long list, and Troy Kotzer had a little itty-bitty list. And then all (laughs) of a sudden, the majors come out, and Cody Smith-McPhee, granted, I know the Golden Globes don't matter as much right now, but he even won that. And then all of a sudden it's Detroit Kotzer Uh-oh. race all day. You know, it's like right after that happened, all the momentum shifted. And I don't know. Like it, I, if I was Cody Smith McPhee, I'd be just, you know, I don't know. Punch drunk. Like, I don't know. Like what's the feeling just felt like you just got ran over by a truck because it, it's wild how much that got pulled out from under him. It was one of those things where, you know, I'll just like do a quick, backpack right here um because uh, i i was i was calling it for a little bit not right after the globes but definitely like before the sags and that's when mm-hmm. it like started to get like you know that's when the momentum obviously started and started to become something big but before that like he got the nomination for the sag Kotzer, and he you know he had the famous video of falling off his chair yes. yep uh and you know his wife is like running his campaign right now <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like videos of him like di- like all these different uh situations and uh, I think I knew then it was just because Cody Smith McPhee, it's like, OK, yeah, the, he's got the globe. Globe doesn't last too long. Um, as we're seeing, Kitman probably uh, her globe uh, wins, probably not going to do much. Yeah. And then also, uh, I, I believe Garfield. No, no. Garfield won for music. Um, shoot. I can't yeah. Cumberbatch won. Cu- was it Cumberbatch? Yeah. Okay, yes. and, and his campaign evaporated. Yeah. And that one evaporated as well. And uh, so. um it was one of those things where and at that point, I think Smith was kind of like like keeping cool on his campaign. They, and that was intentional. He was. Yeah. They, they, they like decided, like, let's put him underground for a little while, like because, right. you know, the, he was doing a little bit too much. He was saying a little bit too much, like nothing controversial, but it was just kind of yeah. like he was he was he was getting in everyone's faces a little bit, too. He's, he's Will Smith. He's a lot. Yeah. And so they said, let's put him let's put him a, a little bit lower. And then so I, I don't know if that's what caused the Cumberbatch win. But then all of a sudden people are just like, well, Smith hasn't been campaigning. What's happening now? Smith is pretty much going to come in through. Yeah. But uh, Kotzer was one that like he was just like happy to be there, happy to be there. But Cody Smith McPhee was just a very divisive performance where 
well, there's a lot of people that just didn't like it, didn't understand it, didn't really get it. And so then like the nominate, the Oscar nominations came in, he was happy about those. Then when SAG came in and then just like that, that's when it kind of like, you saw him win for that and it was perfect. There was the moment, I believe it was captured or maybe it was just talked about right. where uh, Troy Kotzer was talking with the people from uh, squid game and the interpreters were all <laughs> going back and forth. It was like this beautiful thing where they were all signing, but also in Korea, like in Korean and going back. It was just like the most wonderful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but uh, Oh man, truly, truly like great stuff. But there's just so many like heartwarming performances on like the red carpet uh, that we're seeing from Kotzer yeah. from the rest of the cast. Matlin is a crazy campaigner. Oscar award winner, Matt Academy award winner, Matt. Matt yeah. And uh, so it's just like all over the place. There's something there. I mean, it, it might just be a little bit too little too late, um, but uh, it would be interesting if they could pull it off. It's amazing to me though, as a person who I like Coda quite, quite a bit. And that movie is Amelia Jones. Like she's yeah. not, she's <laughs> yeah. not deaf. She's not deaf. She learns sign language. She sings in it. For, for good portions of the movie. She is all, she is the center of the frame. And in a year where, like, Best Actress is wide open, she couldn't even get a nomination? What That's the hell? Good. Like, it's looking dumber and dumber every time. And even when she's kind of into conversation, she didn't win. Like, yeah. So it's wild to me that she is that movie, you know, or at least the family is, and she's a big part of it. She's kind of the, the big... Uh, you know, part that makes that engine move, and yet no love for her, and that is actually the thing that baffles me the most about this race. Yeah. It was well, best actress was a weird, weird category because I look at those five in there, and a lot of them were sort of like rock solid. And then you have like you could have had you could have had Heim, you could have had Zegler, you could have had uh, Amelia Jones. Those are like you know three more that could have gone in there. Yeah. Um. The and the Penelope Cruz win just in there. By the way. Loved that she got in, but sure. um, like it, it was such a surprise. It was such a stunning moment where like that, like that jump in happened. But oh man, I mean, I, I would say the entire cast, including um, oh no, I don't want to, I, I don't want to just give him credit without saying his name. But the music teacher was exceptional, um, including <laughs> uh, the brother as well. Um, like th that, that cast was almost like just unbelievable the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, um, oh man, good stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you're talking ensemble stuff, you know, that is well-deserved. And, you know, it's it's all this stuff is plausible. It's just amazing that it's kind of going through the way it is at this point. All right, so any other races? Like, uh, we were kind of talking Chastain seems to be locked in. Will Smith is uh, kind of locked in. You know, the supporting stuff, Ariana DeBose. We were talking about Troy Kotzer. Those all seem to be in there. Jane Campion for director. So really screenplays are kind of the ones that are the most interesting to me outside of Best Picture. Do you have like your opinion maybe on the puzzle theory that goes on with that? <laughs> That's uh screenplays are a nightmare right now um, because uh, Power of the Dog for Adapted seems like the best call. But that would be Campion getting two, which is, you know, possible, um, like but very unlikely. It could also go to Coda. Um there is also uh, Drive My Car. Right. It won't be Dune. Oh, it would be so cool if it's Dune. <laughs> but it won't be Dune. Um, I think like it would be interesting if it's Drive My Car. Yeah. Boy, Lost Daughter seems like a very, like, a crazy surprise, but a very unlikely pick. 
Um, and I don't know why. It just seems like that's just there's no, nothing else around it. So it seems like Lost Daughter. I mean, there's other stuff Lost Daughter was nominated for, but um, yeah, well, that's why I thought Olivia Coleman had a better shot because they seem to like Lost Daughter for screenplay in other awards uh, nominating bodies, and now that seems to kind of gone to the back burner real quick <laughs> oh no like i thought maybe if it won uh BAFTA or something like it would have had a better chance but yeah i don't get it i would argue that like i think what has happened um and this is like me talking about an inanimate object but i think oscar realized that uh <laughs> oscar hasn't given an award to jessica chastain yet yeah and it's just like one of those things where it's like oh wait we love jessica chastain like five years ago no excuse me 10 years ago and then we decided not to give an award to her even though we nominated her a bunch of times how about we give it to her one that's an obvious Oscar kind of performance. Yeah. Also a fairly good one, so we don't look like idiots. Um, and no one else really is like out there. I mean, Olivia Coleman would be great, obviously. Penelope Cruz has one. Kidman has one. And also the being the Ricardo's performance is just it, it's fine, but it's odd. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about that one. What would solve all of this is giving the Oscar to Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Cause are we freaking kidding right now? Why is this like something that's actually like, you know, up for debate? Um, yeah. I, I absolutely loved, well, the movie I didn't love too much, but her performance. I did. Yeah. I'll buy that. But I, I'm also one of these people I'm on the record saying like, I don't even know how much I actually love the performance, but you know, in a, in a softer year, I wouldn't have like screamed from the rooftops like that. This was a travesty if she took it. Um, especially cause I like her and I want her to get more credibility. So that way she'll keep making, you know, better movies, more interesting movies and kind of stick in that realm. Cause she's, she's put as much work almost as Pattinson has since the whole twilight thing to kind of change her image. It would be nice to kind of see her kind of make another step forward in that progress. Um, one other one before uh, we get on out of here. Oh, actually look, Original screenplay, because we talked about the adapted. Original, Yeah, I, I still don't know. I think it's PTA, but like I'm only saying that because mm. that happened more recently, and I feel like they, same way with Chastain, where like they just want to give her an Oscar. I feel like they kind of want to give PTA his to just be like, here you go. Yeah, that's, that's the best theory. Um, the other theory that I'm holding true to uh, is uh, Belfast uh, as a consolation prize because I don't think it's going to win anything else. Yeah. And uh, so this is like the award they'll give to Brana, who also like has been kind of pining for his Oscar as much as PTA true. has. Um, and, uh, you know, this would be something where it's the personal telling of him, like, you know, like surviving the troubles. Um, but, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, I didn't like, I, I liked licorice pizza. I didn't love licorice pizza. Mm-hmm. So it would be just a bummer if that's what we give PTA his Oscar for. Although I'll also give PTA his damn Oscar. So like, just because it was such a big one. And But no, no, go for it. You said you had one more that you wanted to look at. Yeah, and the last one, because I seem to be the only person who's still trying to chug this engine along. Animated feature. Do it. I thought Do it. that it was a done deal. And then this weekend proved, you know, <laughs> Mitchells versus the Machines wins the Annie no. over Encanto. No. No. And then they won the no. uh, the no. BAFTA or Critics' Choice? Critics' Choice, I think. Made a little bit of noise over the weekend to make it be like, is this a race or is it not a race? What do you got? 
Do not believe the hype, sir. Do not believe the hype. And Kanto has been mowing down the competition. I don't care what's been happening with the Annies lately and everything. Um, I disagree with it, but Kanto is going to be winning that Oscar. Like, it is, it is the most prominent of these five. It is the most that people have talked about. And it's so upsetting to me because the other four are exceptional films all four of them are just like be, like just such great like movies that like mess with animation in the coolest of ways and the most fascinating of ways um but uh so it would be cool if there is some surprise but oh man i just think like at this point we, we were listening to casey 101 uh today okay. and an encanto song came on there was no flea song lucas song mitchell song or <laughs> raya song it was an encanto song well man because none of those are musicals but still yeah <laughs> And that's why I'm trying to pat down the the that it's a steamroller, and because it is because yeah, the whole Bruno thing, certain songs, sure, mm-hmm. it, but that's easy because again, it's a Disney musical. But if to me, I'm holding them side by side. I I like Mitchell's versus the Machines much better than Encanto. Yeah, I understand Encanto is the one that you know everybody's kids are watching and it's going to get burned into mm-hmm. a lot of people's brains and go that way. And it's the same way. Like I didn't think toy story four should have won that year, but it's like this, you know, Hey, this is the Disney zeitgeist movie of the year. Here you go. And that wins the same way. And Disney, a lot of times will get the benefit of the doubt. If it's a close race, it has to be like this slam dunk win from the opposition for it to happen. Like a spider verse, type thing uh for it to go and other than that it doesn't it always seems to be the disney pixar show and that's it yeah well i mean and with spider-verse it was like that was the year where there was a pixar sequel or something of that nature was happening i forget what there was but there wasn't really like you know something great i I gotta look at the nominations again but i don't think there was either there wasn't a good pixar film right or it was a like the pick like cars three was that year or something where all of a sudden you know people might have settled for the pixar but then it was like oh wait a minute this Spider-Man movie is actually good. Let's just kind of roll with this, which is something the globe started actually. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know. I'm still just, I got that glimmer of hope just cause I, I liked that movie so much. Be great. Um, but yeah, I, I know, I know I'm going to just be rolling my eyes again to another Disney win, <laughs> but the competition is so much closer now. And Netflix has so many cool animation projects coming out next year. That'd be kind of be, you know, fitting to be like, all right, We'll we'll win on this one and then kind of see the the show get closer and closer as these races go on in the future, and even don't sleep on you know Apple or some of these other people getting in the fray soon too because they got mm. some of the the Pixar animators uh, starting to work for them now too. So and they got tons of money. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that animation projects take so long to make, uh, yeah. then you know we'll see we'll see what products they come out with, but. Yeah, Netflix has like four or five good animated movies or at least interesting projects coming up this year. So that's going to be an even deeper conversation instead of just this one movie that worked uh, out of the whole Sony ones that they got uh, last year. Because um, sorry, Vivo, you weren't that good. Uh, Wish Dragon was okay. You know, I, I was, and Back to the Outback didn't get even a sniff of anything so you know god i forgot about vivo that was a nightmare yeah 
an adorable character that was just like, what? I don't even remember what the story is that much. Like, okay, we're going to get a song to his master's ex. Okay. We wonder why there's Lynn fatigue sometimes. Yeah. That was one of the, like, (laughs) I had some trouble there. Yeah. And then, of course, Encanto comes out and they're like, hey, we love him again. Lynn's back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, like, yeah, In the Heights got forgotten. You know, and then like Vivo kind of came and went and we were just like, eh, we're all sick of Lynn. And then, <laughs> and then Tick, Tick, Boom and Encanto are like, hey, we're just going to. And it's like, no, 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 we like him when the it's Disney good. Disney Family being a horrible movie. <laughs> just like a horrible Disney family that uh, just like ditches one of their kids. Exactly. Oh. Well, hey, man, this was fun. I, do you have any other races that's like boggling your mind? Like to me, I think like score is wide open. There's a bunch of other ones that are wide open, but I, I'm, I'm just slowly just waiting I for guess some of those to crystallize. Big one for me right now is a documentary feature. Um, not the full thing. I think it's coming down to obviously two big ones. Summer of Soul and is the Blade. front runner, yeah. big time front runner. Um, really think that's gonna win. But then the other one, like you said, is Flea. Um, now. The interesting thing here is Flea is nominated for international film, documentary film, and animated film. As we just talked about, animated film is out in Kanto. Um, I look at international film, I think it's out because Drive My Car or The Worst Person in the World, they're going to take that one because those have the higher up level nominees. Correct. So that means it would have to be in Best Documentary, but Summer of Soul has been dominating everything. So is there a chance that Flea goes home empty handed, which is just kind of horrible but yeah could really happen yeah here's my my... here's my case for it uh the documentary branch is batshit crazy they never go with what (laughs) is like the most popular thing ever and and also to double down on the summer of soul part of it um they somehow don't like our archival footage docs in the last few years Mm -hmm. especially all the front runners, you know, uh, what was the Mr. Rogers? Uh, uh, the doc, not the oh, Tom Hanks one. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? Well, won't you be in a, was that the narrative? Was it? Yeah. Wasn't that the Tom Hanks movie? I'm like, was, a beautiful day in the neighborhood was the Tom Hanks movie. Okay. Then yeah. Won't, won't you, you be, be my, my neighbor, neighbor was the it, doc. Yeah. Okay. So between that, uh, uh, what was it? Apollo. Uh, Apollo 11. That was 11. amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so those were all the front runners. Uh, for a long time and even I don't know if R- RBG was also in that category too but like basically yeah. any archival footage ones they're like we love it no thanks <laughs> like at the end of the day they're like I don't care how popular this is goodbye and and just breaks everyone's brains when it comes to documentary feature so even though Summer of Soul is like cleaning house I'm just waiting for the Oscars to be like psych it's gonna be flea or or it's gonna be or yak in the classroom just to be like ha ah, fucking with oh, you God. or no that one see like that I, one that's a foreign, that's foreign feature uh, international. Yeah, yeah 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 um i like it, it's so tricky because uh, for me especially if i was in the documentary branch i'd be upset because i wouldn't know what to do because summer of soul is an exceptional film but flea is an equally exceptional film for different reasons so i wouldn't even know what to vote for in that regard so yeah i wish them luck and also, I loved Attica, so there we go. Yeah. Hey, it could be none of these things, and we're just going to be sitting here <laughs> scratching our heads because that's what happens that's almost every happen. year uh, when it comes to that <laughs> branch. But good talk, man. I, I like kind of just kind of seeing where this all goes. And to me, I think next week uh, with PGA 
is where it's really going to be the yeah. crystallization for Best Picture. I think that's really what it's going to come down to for my head anyway. So we'll probably end up doing some version of this conversation on this podcast next week. So, you know, stay tuned, come back, do that whole thing. Uh, and we'll do it all again uh, as we talk about Windfall next week too. the uh, the Jesse Plemons, uh, you know, the writer of Seven, you know, is kind of like bizarre kind of uh, noir kind of like uh, I don't know. I, it's a weird, twisty movie that is coming out. So I'm, I'm very interested to. To watch that uh what do you got coming up for for guy at the movies or what are you looking to review soon what, what's uh clicking on your brain sir well i'm gonna watch windfall probably that sounds dope <laughs> yeah. um but uh so pretty much uh yeah joe and i uh host the podcast the guy at the movies podcast with joe and sean um and uh we and then also i have matthew your movies on instagram what i'm gonna be interviewing soon i keep on looking and there does not seem to be a lot of movies coming out like, which is fine because the Oscars are coming out in the next few weeks. So yeah. I'll just be writing a lot about those, making a lot of predictions about those. I have a awards watch blog. Um, my most recent um, column was about that's uh, it's on the guy at the movies website, this awards watch blog. Um, my most recent column was about uh, what I do every year is I make uh, a case for the 10 best picture nominees, whether I liked them or not. I say something nice about them mm-hmm. and I say how they can win, however likely it is. Right. That was, you know, actually it was on here where I talked about like the one uh, best picture nominee I don't like that much was uh, Don't Look Up. And so that's the one we reviewed on here as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, I still I still found it OK. But uh, so but pretty much other than that, I just like say something nice. And then I say how like what possible path it could make to win the uh, best uh, best picture Oscar. And then next week, I'm going to be making my final predictions. I'm going to do uh, will win, should win, uh, got robbed and shouldn't be there uh, for each category. I look forward to that, man. That sounds great. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be checking it out. I always do uh, with your stuff there. And yeah, I definitely, I don't know how you're saying there's no movies though. That kind of broke me because I'm interested in watching X this weekend. I'm interested in watching. I don't have it in my, near uh, me. Like the, the outfit. Um, oh, I think that's, that is near me. Yeah. That's the guy who did the imitation game. So I'm, I'm impressed with that movie. I love that movie. So I'm hoping that the outfit actually does well. Um, so you got those two, you got windfall on Netflix. There, there's a few things click clacking around, man. So I think you'll be busy, busier than you think. Cause you're, you're just watching an <laughs> insane amount of stuff every day. You're like, <laughs> yeah. And then you're asking people what to watch. I'm like, dude, <laughs> Don't you have enough already? Well, I don't on your watch plate? it right away. <laughs> like I, I put it in the list and I'm ready to go next. <laughs> yeah. Well, good on you for for all the hustle that you do and all the interesting things that you do, whether it be your podcast or the math teacher movie stuff. So I appreciate you coming on, bringing that expertise uh, to this project, and hopefully we could do this again soon. Thanks for having me.